Welcome to the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Lock it in! There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the set. This is the Basketball Buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Waz. Kristen's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden churning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for weed. This is a you know, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right now, that is I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South will rise again. I'll tell oh you boy. that much. Oh <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. I would apologize for all the physical and mental abuse the whole time you're here. You've been popped, right? Y- yes. <laughs> he may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. My mic on. A lot of women have pictures in the dating apps with Jeff Goldblum. It's enough of a thing that Jeff Goldblum has commented on. Right, if they get caught, he gets thrown in jail. Mecca of basketball. Are you making calls for Fred Cat? Because Cat has been killing it. I don't know if he's that good. <laughs> no, this is a journey into time. Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new colors, new dimensions, new Welcome to the Basketball edition of the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Wozni Lambre. We have Dave Dufour in, where are you, Belgrade? Belgrade. I'm going to pretend I know where that is. I know it's in Europe. We've got uh, Modakiel. Who else do we have? we got Ethan Strauss. Anybody? we got Jade Hoy. we got Rob Lopez producing. we got, uh, we got everybody. we got the whole gang here. And we have news right as we're starting to record. Breaking news that Steve Mills is out in New York. They're parting ways with Steve Mills. The New York Knicks no longer want him in the front office. Scott Perry is going to take over um, for the time being. And then they're going to make a run at Masai Ujiri. All of those rumors and expectations of the past are coming through. And guys, luckily, luckily, Dave, it's only 50 hours before the trade deadline. So it should be just fine. Yeah, no big deal. I mean, what what does pouring more fuel on the dumpster fire mean, right? Like, who cares? The they were gonna maybe they were gonna trade R.J. Barrett every pick they've got for the next five years for D'Angelo Russell, and this just stopped Steve Mills from doing it. It doesn't mean that the replacement won't do it. Uh, we know what the issue is in New York. It's not Steve Mills. It's not. It wasn't Phil Jackson. It, it's not anybody except for the owner. Like having a bad owner is just going to doom this franchise to failure until he sells the team. That's it. So, Ethan, <laughs> here's where I want your expertise. Is you followed a really bad franchise for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I did. And then they changed owners, yep. and they started doing things more intelligently, and then they became uh, the team worthy of writing books about. Uh, when's that book out? Uh, April 14th, in stores Victory everywhere. Machine, right? Yeah. Still haven't gotten my copy yet. Oh, well, neither have I, so uh, settle down. Oh, okay. oh, then I feel fine. Then I feel fine. Um, all right. Uh, but is there a way to fix this without changing the owner? Let's say they hire Masai Ujiri. Can, it, can he fix this? Is he good? Like, he's maybe the best at this right now, right? But can even he fix what is wrong with the Knicks? Yeah, I, I wonder if the Knicks have this problem where people don't even aspire to success when they go there. They just look to cash in on Dolan. 
where was Phil Jackson really so ambitious about building a winner? Or was he just content to uh, be in the seven figures year by year? I assume Masai, a man of uh, some ambition, would want to save the Knicks. I, I just think it's so important. It's so important to have good ownership. You need strength from the top. We don't want to give owners credit. We don't want them to be the reason for success. It's hard to like a man like Joe Lacob, but at the same time, it really matters. It really matters to have some pressure from the top, maybe not too much meddling like Robert Sarver. And absent that, it's chaos. It's a power vacuum. That's the thing that I don't think is properly understood with weak ownership. It's it's not just the lack of direction and not having the help from, from up top and the lack of communication. It's also that when the owner is dumb and a bit of an absentee owner, a bit of a hermit, it leaves a power vacuum, and in a power vacuum, it's Game of Thrones. Everybody's stabbing each other. Everybody's undermining each other. And so I think that's just going to be the Knicks situation uh, forever until Dolan leaves. Mr. New York. Hey. Was. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. This is your, uh, <laughs> this is your, this is your, your hometown team, so even though you don't really give a real damn about the, the Knicks. Zone. Hey. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, oh, give me a smear oh. on that bagel. Oh, oh, oh Philly. It's oh. a different New York. Oh. It's a different New York. Oh, um, oh. Back up. Was, oh. was, you have a lot of uh, Knicks fans in the group chat who have taken credit for Carmelo Anthony in Portland, yes, right? Yes. Like, what's I, I know it's only been a few minutes since this broke. Oh, but don't I'm just worry. I already if, got a Ujiri, baby. Oh, you got, oh, okay. I already got okay. a Ujiri, baby, text. Uh, all right. There we go. <laughs> I already got it. <laughs> it's already happened. Because it's like, I told you, there's only two type of Knicks fans, like ridiculously optimistic or ridiculously fatalistic. So, you know, the optimistic side is, you know, Ujiri's coming and he's going to say he's going to be the new savior where Larry Brown failed and... Phil Jackson failed and Mike D'Antoni failed and, you know, Donnie, um, Donnie Walsh, actually Donnie Walsh did a damn good job while he was allowed. He to did do the it. best job of anybody. right? Yeah. Yeah. He was incredible while he was allowed to do the job. Didn't quit because it was like, All right, you're not letting me do my job here. Obviously I'm better than you are at this. James Dolan, uh, 20 years of, of just ineptitude. Um, Dolan can't fire himself as owner, so I don't know why anybody should be optimistic. Like, the thing about firing, the thing about Dolan firing Steve Mills is that Dolan's the same guy who empowered him <laughs> in the first place, right? Like, in a normal... Forever. In a normal Forever corporate was, structure, but... the guy who empowered Steve Mills right after Phil Jackson would be out of there. Like, you know, in any other job structure and be like no like you've ruined this you've ruined this for like a decade well in dolan's case two decades now you don't get to have this job anymore but because you know the nba being what it is uh dolan gets to keep his job as owner even though he's a trust fund baby and inherited the team um and he gets to you know just basically ruin the freaking this is just like a money cash cow that people continue to buy expensive tickets, continue to watch them on MSG, continue to buy merchandise, no matter how terrible the product. And Dolan gets to, you know, reap the benefits and the rewards of that. It's it's quite sad state of affairs in New York. The benefits of uh, Ottoman Empire era fratricide, right? Uh, <laughs> because for those who don't know... Back in the day in the Ottoman Empire, when the uh, when when, when the, the the lead dog, the Sultan, would die, uh, 
um, there would be a bunch of kids spread out across the, the land, and they would all have to rush back and secure the backing of the high court um, and be named the new the new ruler. And then that guy would have all his brothers uh, summarily executed. You know, it was a pretty brutal process, but it ensured that you would have somebody of some political skill running the venture into the next generation. If that was the New York Knicks setup, there's no way Dolan would have been able to secure the backing of Madison Square Garden and the uh, the, the people who are have shares in the Knicks. There's absolutely no way. He just sort of bumbled and stumbled into it. While he was playing with his blues band and he's really displayed no competence, he really just weirds me out too. that video of him uh, having that interaction with that fan who said, sell the team. I love it. Ugh, oh. It's just creep. New York is the Mecca of basketball. Well, you've never worked for a creepy owner. Um, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. You've only all. worked with owners who had sterling reputations, you know? Exactly. There it is. Only the, the best. best. Sterling silver. Nothing but the best people. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing but the best people. Uh, just in the video room. See, I'm a little more optimistic, though, guys. And I look at it this way. First off, Dolan's an idiot. There's no arguing that, that side of it. And he screwed several things up. But for the longest time, we kept hearing how this team's just Dolan's just holding on to Mills. That's who he goes to. And Mills, you know, he won't let any GM come in or any team president come in and clear Mills out. Now that he's finally done that, I think maybe there could be something possibly positive happening. And I say that very cautiously because it is the Knicks. It still is Dolan. They'll still probably find a way to screw it up. But it's a move that we've all been saying for a long time. Hey, like, you know, you got to get rid of Mills. You got to get rid of Mills. You can't, you know, since December, since they fired Fisdale, everybody's been saying that. So he does that. Now, granted, the timing is God awful. Uh, but regardless, you know, he finally does that. And now everybody's, you know, we're, we're jumping all over him on it. I think, like, honestly, he's just trying to do the the right thing. He's just too stupid to know what it is. And it just took him too long. Like, he could have had David Griffin as a GM, as his team president. I, I disagree. Uh, you know, I don't if think he, he was willing to let Mills, I think Griff's too smart for that. No, nah, Mills. I mean, Griff was in on it as long as let he said. If Griff had control, I, I think. Yeah, if Griff said, Griff "Let me have total price, control," man. I think Griff was. Yeah, but you know what? Though he's going to drive up the price, and if you and Dolan gives him the money, he's going to take the job. But his his the way he did it in New Orleans, it's the same thing. He made a list of demands and said, "I need to have all of this," and. uh uh, Gail Benson said, agree to it. And he's like, all right, well, I got to take the job. I mean, if Dolan was willing to do that, he probably would have had David Griffin as his GM. He wasn't willing to give him that power. He wasn't willing to let him get rid of Steve Mills. And that and that cost him that. Here's why it never would have happened is because once you work for Robert Sarver and then you work for Dan Gilbert, if you go try to work for James Dolan, your friends are going to have you committed. Like that, like look, Griff is no, but you know, a very you confident know. man. But that, like at that point, we all have to step in. <laughs> but he doesn't know mention. at that point that there's. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that other owners are different. <laughs> he just his two owners were this, so he thought that's how owners are. And if you looked around the league, I mean, Sterling was still around. Like, hey, okay, this is kind of how NBA owners are. So he didn't know that there was a better side to it. Now. You know, I think that was kind of the the thing for him. Now, it would have been sort of fun to watch him. <laughs> Not fun, but it, 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 I would have felt bad for him. But it would have been interesting to see him build build this team. And, 
you know, and who knows if Masai comes. Maybe Masai's smart enough to say, nah, I got a good thing going in Toronto, or Dolan uh, just throws a boatload of I cash. I mean, either out. way, Masai's going to get a record deal, right? Like either from Toronto or for, from New York, whatever. Like, like he's going to get a record deal and just, not, and not that he doesn't already have this in Toronto, but it'll basically be like, you can literally do whatever you want. Like, there is no checking in on him. And you know what's so funny is that, like, obviously the owner is the most important thing. Um, And, you know, that can't be understated. But, like, in a vacuum, the New York job is a great job, right? Like, you're going to get paid top dollar. Like, whatever your little market value was, Dolan's going to overpay the hell out of you um, to let you take the job. So, which means you get to be super rich in New York City. Like, I know New York's expensive, but... At a certain point when you're a freaking 15 millionaire, like, it starts not to matter, right? Um, Obviously, like, the Knicks are always willing to spend when they're, you know, when they have a good enough team to spend on. Um, You get to do what you want if, if you're allowed to do that. Like, in a vacuum, it's like, yo, this is a fantastic job. But then, you know, you add in the freaking garage band owner, and it's just like... <laughs> I mean, so, so here's, the, here's, the, here's the interesting thing the about this. The dude literally is in a garage band, though. Like, seriously. They, they play small venues. Okay. You see? <laughs> like Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, he gets the theater. Which is essentially his garage, guys. How, like, what, are, what is that situation like for trying to sell tickets for your boss's band when your boss is James Dolan? Right? We should get Charlie you have, on the line. Has to, oh, you're paying. It has to be a packed house. Did Charlie you're, have to sign an NDA to leave the You pay people. We should get him Great on question. the line. I'll text him. <laughs> you, oh boy. You pay, but you pay people. You pay people to show up, Jack. That, that, that's what you do. And then you lie about the numbers later. Oh, so we have, we have some experience with that. Um... Let's, uh, <laughs> uh, one thing that, I mean, as it, as we're like, you know, basically at time recording this, we're like 50 hours from the trade deadline. Um, one interesting thing maybe with this is I wonder where the Knicks go with the trade deadline now. So everything I'd heard and, and things that have been reported are that, you know, it's going to take an unprotected lottery pick to get Marcus Morris and not just because they want to resign him this summer. Like they and they don't have a ton of flexibility, but they signed him to a big enough deal that you could pay him eighteen million dollars a year on the next contract with the way the CBA is. And so they want an unprotected first. Um their asking price is way too high. They want like all stars in return for like Bobby Portis and you know Julius Randle and all the like all the guys they sign. Like their asking price is crazy high. And so if Steve Mills is gone. I do wonder if this opens up the restraints on what they were willing to take back. Like, I don't know if that's a Steve Mills thing, right? Trying to save face with his signings. I don't know if that's a, a Scott Perry thing. I don't know if it's a James Dolan thing, but I do wonder if, if it affects their, you know, their trade approach over the next 48 hours. I mean, it has to, it has to, or they're going to be stuck with these guys. Plain and simple. Well, I mean, it's, but I mean, it's not. It's not the worst thing, though. Like these guys, Bobby Portis is on. Well, has one more year after this. It's not like this is crazy long term deals. Same for Randall. I don't even remember if these are fully guaranteed deals. You know, this might change the equation of whether they want to re-sign uh, Morris next right. season. That that's where it gets interesting. I mean, this does. It all depends. It's what you said, Zach. Is this was all this stuff a Steve Mills things? 
or was it a Scott Perry thing or was it from all the way from the top? And, you know, if it's, if it was a Scott Perry thing, then I wouldn't expect anything to change. I mean, the way they're going about it now, they're not real trade partners. You know, everything we hear from former GMs, like they know what, who's real and who isn't when they call on the phone and they know when this person's calling, they kind of just roll their eyes going like, ah, crap, here we go. This is going to be a stupid trade offer or whatnot. So, you know, their expectations right now are just so unrealistic. I can't even imagine anybody's really calling them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. Like, I wonder if they get in the mix for Andre Drummond. I legitimately think that could be the move for them to where they feel like they've saved face. Because that was, yeah. (laughs) Cause that, that, that was the whole, like the whole sell was, yeah, we signed these guys to make us competitive. Well, they're not competitive. Um, And then like, but we can trade these guys. We have flexibility. Except if you overvalue them and demand. And look, I, I don't have a problem with the, Like, we're going to laugh about it because of the Knicks. I would ask for crazy things in return in trades to a start, right? Because you have to set, you have to, you have to, you know, establish a middle ground in those negotiations at some point. And so if you set them way far the other way, then maybe that middle ground gets to be more in your favor than it normally would. So I don't have a problem with that negotiating tactic. But at a certain point, it sounded like it wasn't just a negotiating tactic, it's, a, it's how they view the players. And so, like, Dave, I, I don't know what you – I don't I don't know, like, where they feel they save face, but it feels like they're always trying to save face instead of just build something. Well, yeah. I mean, th- this was when they signed 16 power forwards because they missed out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, we, that's exactly what it was. Well, you know, we got these, these real NBA players. It's not that bad. And they're on short-term deals. It's not that yeah, bad. I, and we can move them for assets. It's not that bad. It was bad at the time. It's bad now. They're in a bad spot. They really need to get something for them because you have to you have to do a complete rebuild in New York again. You have nothing. So you have to get something for them. You can't just let those those contracts, you know, expire or or roll into next season. You need assets today. Why can't you why can't that roll into next season? Like there's no – these contracts rolling into next season isn't a, a deterrent for because, them to be able to trade it, them next year? No, here's the, here's the reason though. The only way they have value when you trade them next year is if you take on money to get assets, right? But they don't want right. to take on money because they want to sign Giannis. No, That's but, why but, I don't think – Well, and also then you're just delaying the inevitable. You're delaying the rebuild that you need to start. So like if you're the Knicks and you're cool with not making the playoffs until 2026, by all means, wait till next year. But I mean like here's the thing. It's like this is – everything we've heard is this is a bad draft. You know, like nobody's been at all positive of anything of these guys I, in the draft. Yeah, so pulling I'm not out convinced a, it's a bad draft. I don't I, – I, I feel like we do this too often when there's not clarity. I think it's a fine draft. I think it's a medium draft. But it, but the perception matters, though, Zach. You know what I mean? Like, if the perception sure. out there is that, like, it's a bad one, then that's going to affect how teams are operating. You know, whether they're right or not, that's how teams are, are operating vis-a-vis the draft. They're like, yo, um, we don't respect the prospects that are coming out of this thing. And so, you know, like, where in past years, maybe your number seven pick could – fetch something meaningful this year people are like ah, i don't really i'm not really feeling it you know whether they're right or not which they've been wrong most of the times in the past when they're like all oh, this draft stinks Let, let's say that the knicks use that to their advantage though and they say you know this this hey uh you know new orleans this draft's not gonna be great 
don't you just give us your pick? We'll send you Bobby Portis, whatever. And then do you trust the Knicks to to make the right selection with like the 12th pick? Yeah, that is. <laughs> that is a question I don't feel like I have a positive answer to. <laughs> I have a definite answer. But you know, yeah. but like, it, oh, man. But even then, though, the, the stuff they're going to get for it, they're not going to get lottery picks for this. You know, they're going to get the Clippers 28th, 27th pick. And so even in a medium draft, that's still not a good draft pick, you know, and, and, and I think that's the issue there w- with the stuff. So I don't feel like, you know, like I disagree with you guys in the sense of like, I think they'll be able to find ways to unload these guys in the summer without having to, you know, take on money. And even then, let's just be honest, if they don't get Masai, are they even going to have a chance at Giannis? Oh, no, no, absolutely so, not. So like, why would they, why, why would they even? Why are we talking about the Knicks and Giannis? It's crazy to me that the Knicks would be signing Giannis. It's crazy to me. Why are we talking about the Knicks and Giannis? New York is the mecca of basketball. New York is the mecca of basketball. New York is the mecca of basketball. Right, and we hear from people talking. Right, from players, from representatives. Oh, I agree, was, but yeah, I mean, this is this is what they think. I mean, this is what they think. I mean, this time last year, they thought they were getting. Uh, Kevin Durant, you know, and, and, and all of that. So, I mean, you know, they can be unrealistic with their, with their aspirations and with what they think is going to come to reality. But if they don't get Masai, what's the point? So it's not a bit, it's not the worst case in the world. If they do take some money on to unload some of those guys, that, as long as it's smart trades. Now, whether they, whether they make a smart trades, whole different story, but this is at least, they at least have a chance to finally make the right decision. All right. And by the way, Mar- Marcus Morris is, is an expiring. He, he signed a one year. Right. Yeah, but Bobby Portis, Randall, like those are also guys that could be on the move. Yeah, and, and Portis has a team option, which is which is great. So you're not stuck with, uh, you know, a, another bad player next season. Yeah, and then possibly could do sign and trades with uh, uh, Morris, although I don't think that would be – Something a lot of teams are all that into, but that's these are all opportunities for them. But it all, it all starts with right now they have to make the right decision on who they bring in as team president after Masai turns them down. Oh, if he Scott does. Perry's there, he'll be fine. Um, all right, what we were gonna <laughs> yell about this morning before Steve Mills got uh, you know got his ways parted um, is there is controversy in Memphis. Was controversy? Dylan Brooks last night said, I can't wait for us to trade Iguodala so that we can show him what Memphis is really about. And then Steph Curry, oh no, John Morant had the shouting emoji as he quote tweeted that tweet. And then Kevin Durant, or I'm sorry, Steph Curry replied with a, uh, or showed a picture of Andre Iguodala as a champion. And then John Morant showed a picture of Kevin Durant as a finals MVP. And Waz wants Morant and Brooks to respect their elders. Yeah, absolutely. I disagree. Absolutely. I disagree. Why? Respect your elders. One day. What has he done? What has he done to earn their respect? Point of contention. One day, one day they'll be hopefully a 16-year vet like Iggy, yeah. um, and they'll understand why he doesn't want to play for them. Right? It's like I, you know, it's like I use the analogy of you go on a date with a woman and she tells you, look. You're not gainfully employed right now. I'd rather date a guy with a job. Cool. You can't take that personally. You're not a comp- you're not a contender. 
the guy would like to play for a contender. You guys are nice players. You guys have a nice upward trajectory. You got a couple of job interviews lined up, but you're not a contender. And Iggy was, would rather was. play for a contender. That's it. That's fine. That's fine. But what? Uh, no, you said he, he need, they need to respect their elders. What has he done to earn their respect? Three championships. One of the what, best what, defensive what players of, of, his, of his entire generation. Okay, yeah, he was he was what the fifth or sixth best player on the championship team. Okay, <laughs> okay, now so we denigrate in the finals MVP. Okay, he got, all right, he got he got a, he got a Derrick Rose like MVP voting in his favor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know damn well he wasn't finals MVP. LeBron averaged forty in that series. What are we <laughs> this doing? Kid, this kid. Listen, listen, we got a couple of young bucks. Okay, John uh-huh. Morant's a rookie in this league. I remember back when there was a day where rookies knew their place and respected vets. Have some respect. Stay out of this. And the bottom line is Memphis didn't want him to report either or else they would have fined his ass. No, 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 no. no. That's not true. Memphis wanted to report, wanted him to report. He basically made it known that this wasn't going to be a good situation if he did. And then to to his credit, I don't even know if it's to his credit, but they said, okay, you know what? You stay home. We'll get See, like we'll I work on that a trade. Was a mistake, Zach, on their part. To me, you oh, gotta agree. call the guys I, bluff I on his professionalism. Like, really, I, Iggy, I you're agree. gonna come in here and be a crybaby, a, a, a you know, just like act like a little baby and 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 be completely unprofessional and sully your reputation like that? I don't. I like. I would have called this bluff, and you know, I would have had enough confidence in what I've accomplished organizationally in assembling a young core of talent and convincing this guy that the, the team was worthwhile. Instead, they capitulated because, quite frankly, they didn't want Iggy either. For real, they traded oh, no, him they thinking they could get rid of him for some yeah, kind of asset to- down the line. But I think they played their hand wrong here. They should have. Like, how can I reasonably be expected? If I'm a team that wants to acquire Iguodala to give Memphis stuff for a guy, they're they've basically already given ten million dollars to not show up. You've already well, they're also happy that you though, don't want to him. just let him sit for the season, right? So then, right? I don't think no. I, they agreed to it, so it's still on them. But this idea that they oh no never no we don't need you to come in no that's not true. None of that's true. Like they wanted him to. He didn't refuse. Right. He just hinted that like nah, probably not a good idea if I am. And so then they relented. Like, they backed down in that situation. So that's fine. They came to an agreement. I don't give a shit what the organization thinks about Andre Goodall and his professionalism. I think the, the players, John Morant, Dylan Brooks, any of those guys on that team, absolutely should be annoyed with him, not want him to be a, a topic of conversation around, that's want fair. him to get traded so they go bust his ass. Like, that's the only thing I care about. This whole, yeah. he's making $17 million to stay home. I wish I could do that. Yeah, work on your jumper, all right? Like, that, <laughs> if you want to do that, then fine. Like, yeah, it sounds great. But it's I'm, an I'm, insult. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sick, of, it, I'm sick of people focusing on the money or whatever. Like, to me, it's nothing about the agreement. It's the players, to me, like, they have the right to say, yeah, that guy. Like, yeah. uh, that's that's where I'm in. I don't care about any of the other stuff. Absolutely. A guy saying, I don't want to play with these guys, these losers. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. by the way, he's right. Right? Like, he, like if, if you're know. not a contender. Be, yeah, if he wants to play well, a contender, no, they're th- not but, a contender. But, at the same time, that shouldn't change the way they feel disrespected. No, by that's of course. Why I'm just, and, and they're competitors, yeah. and, and, and I understand that. And, and I'm actually... You know, I, I I understand that component of it. Like, yo, I hope we do figure out a way to work this out so we can play Iggy and bust his ass. I love that. I don't hey, have any. He could he could be in Golden State right now. 
I don't have anything it will, it wrong will be with, next year. With, I, I don't have anything wrong with, with I don't see anything wrong with what the young guys are saying right there. I just think, you know, going public with it is a bit messy and sloppy and very Gen Z. Oh, Wait, no, Z, is it messier than that's going on stuff. on national television and advocating for yourself to be traded to to one of the championship contenders? Yeah, I've never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> yeah, didn't he like name name, name teams or something? Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, if it works, it yeah. works though. Oh, like, I'd, right? I'd like I mean, to go, there's to, those two I'd all like to go to the Clippers. You know, getting your mentals right. He has a list of teams of who he wants to go to. So it's just kind of like, all right, well, if we can't get you there, then uh, we're just going to hold on to you. I don't mind either side of the situation, though. I think it's just funny. I'm enjoying the back and forth. I also kind of think, I don't know, th- these group of young kids, as brash as they are, I feel like Iggy would have enjoyed playing with them yeah. at some point. I don't think he would have enjoyed playing with Jake Crowder. Because mm, nobody does. Yeah, f- f- LeBron, fair. LeBron wasn't passing it to him right that year. He couldn't make threes, Zach. <laughs> he wasn't hitting them in his sweet spots. Was, was, was wow. every year except one year in his career, he couldn't hit threes. <laughs> this dude's not a shooter. I'm so sick of him being called a 3 and 3 D guy. and D with no He literally had no one three. season. Yeah. And I'm not even sure how good the defense is anymore. You know, getting your mentals right. <laughs> It's certainly questionable. So, yeah, no, I, I hate the whole, like, oh, he's he's getting paid to stay home. Yeah, that was the, what they agreed upon. Like, I, when fans and media and stuff are doing that whole shtick, like, get over it. Okay, don't, stop, watch, stop watching and other th- people's pay stubs. Like, what are we doing? Also, don't equate this to yeah, your job. your job is nothing. Your oh nine God. to five is not the right. same. It's not right. the same. Sorry, guys. I the know clo- you want to feel like it is. Exactly. The closest comparison is podcasting. That's the closest about the same money. About the same. Yeah. About the same guaranteed contracts. Right, exactly. Guaranteed deals, all about seventeen yeah. million a year, right? Yeah. No sick. No days. sick days. We don't no, we don't get know. the eight you know, the eight percent raises, but that's fine. You know, that's just something we gotta negotiate in our podcasting that's right, yeah. CBA next time. Um that's all right. right. Speaking of trade rumors. But, oh wait, go ahead. Yeah, so I got another point about this because there's this whole thing about Memphis working on a buyout or cutting Andre Iguodala. And I, the only way like I can kind of relate this in, in, in the way that I, I want to is to think about fantasy football or whatever. And, and I don't play fantasy sports, but I do know that if, if I was in a league and let, let's say we had a, a, a count the dings league and we're, I'm a, I'm a garbage team. I've got a guy who could swing the, the fantasy championship. And I just cut him for to cause chaos. Oh yeah. Not How is that within the competitive spirit of the game? Like there's an argument to be made that if Memphis actually cuts Andre Iguodala, it uh it's a violation of the CBA to a certain degree. It, it's almost like it's wait, why it's cheating? It's a little cheap. Iguodala, uh, people have bought vets out of their contracts okay. all the no, time. No, no. Is I, it because absolutely. Iggy might be a contributor? But they're not they have no no plans to fill the roster spot. So, I mean, maybe if they fill the roster spot, we can say, oh, okay, it's okay. They're going to they're gonna sign somebody to use. But just to cut the guy so that he could go sign with the team. I mean, you are, you are directly affecting the outcome of the, of the championship, potentially. I mean, I've seen teams in their position I just, have done I this don't buyout like it. shit so many times over the years. I don't see why we should single... But when has a buyout guy ever been a swing piece for a, for a title? 
But I don't mm. know if I don't think Iguodala is going to be one. Was it? Well, that's the other thing is he's 36 years is old. Is Iguodala after a full career of being severely underrated now overrated? That's that's the question <laughs> yes. I'm wondering. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're asking a dude who hasn't played yeah, basketball in how many months? I I'm the first to tell you that his value goes so much farther than offense, but he did average 5.7 points per game last season. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you know, like I just, I just don't buy like, you know, I just, I feel like he's already injury riddled to begin with. Like, I don't feel like, He's going to come in and all of a sudden they're going to start. He's not going to be flanked by Steph and Clay either. I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's say he goes to the Lakers. He just has to be better than KCP, right? If he goes to the Clippers, he has to be better than. Which this year, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, It's not like he has to be great. He just has to be better than the guy he's replacing the rotation, which I think is a reasonable expectation. I also just don't think like. The, the issue is that people go, oh, he's a three-time champion and a finals MVP. Uh, all right. Is, is he is he still? No. <laughs> like, I, no. I don't know why he won that initial oh, finals. Oh, Waz brought that up. I lit him up. I lit him up, Ethan. <laughs> I thought he did a very good – I thought he did a very good job defensively, but it, it was a little – and he made wide-open threes. But, hey, whatever. Um, that's not today. That was a long time ago. It was a half decade ago. Um it's not, it's not now. And yeah, I don't really buy in the idea of him as this swing piece. Uh, I guess I could see it happening, but what if, he, what he's if? now the mystery box. He's now the, well, he's yes. out there and he's not hurt. You know, what, what, what could he be potentially? What if he is hurt? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, you know, he might've hurt himself playing golf. Exactly. Driving his, um, kid to, driving his kid to private school in Oakland. Like right. he, he, he might've he strained his eyes, you know, working that E-Trade account. He might've. You um, never know. Yeah, I, you know, it's you, a bad look you know, for the league, though, and I, I just wonder. I, I feel as though maybe, maybe even if David Stern would have allowed it, they would have had a conversation, and he would have said, "Just, just pretend to be injured. Just pretend to have an injury. This doesn't look good. This looks bad. Just, just lie right. to the people." There's not enough lying in this league. There isn't. There needs to be more lying. Yeah, it's too I'm much honesty. You, you know who could use them? The Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. And they're guys, they're in a bit of trouble right now. Rob, that's your cue to bring on Bodner. <laughs> no? All right. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers last night get demolished by the Miami Heat. Give up 81 points in the second half, 69% shooting, 12 of 19 from three. Duncan Robinson outscored Joel Embiid in the second half. That It was bad. It was absolutely terrible. And after the game... Joel Embiid said that he wasn't getting the ball enough in the second half. I don't know if that had us, that has to do with giving up 81 points, but he wasn't getting the ball enough. And then uh, Ben Simmons caused or called the team soft, soft for not playing defense. So we know that the Sixers are great when they're at home. We know they're atrocious when they're on the road. This was a road game. Um, Mo, are we are we worried about the Sixers? Oh yeah, we're worried. Word. And my favorite part about this too, though, is I was really what is hoping Embiid would have pulled out the old shack. You know, if you want the big dog to guard the yard, you got to feed him. And uh, he didn't do that, so I'm a bit disappointed in him in that regard. Uh, but it, 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 it is troublesome. Like you look at this team and you're just like, God, 
Like, I thought they'd be so much better defensively than they have been. I, I figured the offense was going to be ugly. But defensively, they've just yeah. been terrible. 81 points in the second half. Like, that's not supposed to happen yeah. against the squad. I mean, they're, they're good defensively at home, and it just falls off a cliff on the road. It's just, I mean, it's it's stunning the difference there from, from home to road. Like, at home, they're a championship contender, and on the road, they're, they're mediocre at best. Even lower than that, even like it's, I mean, losses against Atlanta on the road. I mean, it's just bad all across the board. At least, I mean, I guess Miami too. I was going to say, at least there's a nightlife option in with the Atlanta loss, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Go ahead, boss. No, but to me, I just want, I just don't understand what you can attribute that to, right? Like with their defensive talent alone. They should be much better than this. They should be one of the two or three dominant teams defensively in the NFL. I was about to say the NFL. Shouts to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Ooh. Ooh. People are <laughs> happy out here, man. Screaming for blood, man. <laughs> um, it's just it's just incredible to me that they just haven't been able to put put together a better defensive season. I know Embiid has missed time, but even when Embiid misses time, you're still playing Al Horford, Ben Simmons, um, Richardson. Like, these guys are more than capable NBA defensive players, right? Like, they should still be able to, you know, exert their will over opponents, and that just hasn't been the case. And I don't know what you chalk that up to. Is it just a lack of chemistry? Is it just a general unhappiness? Is Brett Brown to blame? Like, I don't know. Well, let's ask. Uh, let's ask, ask an expert. Derek Bodner covers the Sixers for the Athletic. Derek, why are the Sixers so bad on the road? Yeah, I don't know. There, that's it. If if you're waiting oh, for an okay. expert well, to shed any light, I have no idea. <laughs> I almost think that by having to watch every game, I have less of an idea over what's going on than you guys do, because it's so easy to go between highs and lows. Well, you know, is, you're going to have to give us something. Can you do a Brett Brown accent when no, describing the situation? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I, I guess what I'd say is I think that there's a lot of, and by and large, like this, they have the fifth ranked defense in the league. Like they haven't been bad defensively. They've been very inconsistent. And I think maybe some of the offensive struggles and the frustrations seep into their defensive effort because their effort level just comes and goes way more than it should for a team that has never really won anything. And I think if you're looking defensively, there's two things. First of all, the starting lineup has played 19 times together in like 51 games or whatever it is. So they, they just haven't been together all that often. And the, the effort is just, it's all over the place. It is all over the place. So are they soft as Ben Simmons assert, asserted last night? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because, see, like, you're around the team enough that you can understand when these guys are doing cold speak and, and you know, not getting to the <laughs> the root of whatever their issue may be. What is Ben Simmons talking about when he calls the team soft? Yeah, I, so, I mean, soft is a bit of a loaded word. There's certainly, like, their effort and their intensity comes and goes. So, like, do I think they're, like, scared of contact soft in that sense? No, not really. So he wasn't going Marcus Morris with it right there. I mean, I think sometimes Ben is like, I think, I think he, he, he sort of has that mentality. I think that's a little bit Australian, uh, Australian rules football in him. Mm. I don't think it's so much that they're soft though, in terms of like offensively, sometimes I'll argue that they're soft and, and not seeking out contact and getting the free throw line defensively. I don't think they're soft per se, but I think there's real attention to detail and effort that just isn't always there. And they look bad when it's not. I don't even think it's a physical 
softness. I think they're mentally soft. I think they're easy to break. Um, I would say that when when they meet adversity, they don't know how to react to it right now. So if, if that's the definition of soft you're looking for, I think there might be some of that for sure, especially on the road. They just have no idea how to react to adversity right now. There's still a relatively inexperienced core just in terms of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, right? Like in terms of games played on the court, like they're still relatively inexperienced. Yep. And there's no shared experiences between the supporting cast. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons, but still like effort should be there every night. And it's just not. Um, Was Joel Embiid getting the ball enough last night? No, but in terms of, of the problems with why they lost, that's pretty low on the list. Like they got, gave up 137 to the heat. They got destroyed in the second half. Like there's so many defensive problems that you could go to. Joel Embiid getting the ball enough in the second half. It's just really, it's, it's pretty low on my list. But yeah, they should have they should have gotten the ball more for sure. Um, all right, so what? I guess this would be an easy, uh, or it would be easy to have the answer to this question. But like, what is the fix? Is it just time on the court together? Because they still haven't even had their their ideal starting lineup, you know, yep. on the floor all that much, right? I mean, I would if it were me, I would not panic at the deadline, make a major move, only for the simple fact that I just don't believe in this starting five enough where like upgrading a bench piece or two is going to make them a championship contender. I don't believe in them enough to give up a draft pick or two in the future for a Robert Covington or even a Bogdanovich, unless you know, you can bring him back long-term. So I think you, I, I, th- I think you upgrade a couple of bench pieces, maybe Bielitsa, a Malik Beasley, something of that sort, and hope this team just kind of figures it out because I just don't, I don't think they're in a position where they should be like really aggressive buyers. Isn't the answer just Toby and Al Al Horford playing up to their freaking capabilities? Al is the one where you just look at it and you say, that might not fit. You might have to move on from him. I'm just not sure you're going to be able to do that at the trade deadline this year. Maybe that means moving him to a bench role where he's really only playing a couple minutes per game alongside Embiid rather than, you know, the 15 to 20 night he's playing next to him right now. I'm not sure. But I think that's the one where if you're just going to change things up just to change things up, I think that's where you could get the, you know, if you could get a Bogdanovich, move him to the starting lineup, move Al to the bench, you could change some of the weaknesses of this team. But yeah, they need to play better. Like Tobias Harris needs to play better. They, they invested a lot of their trade resources, a lot of their salary cap space in those two players. Uh, and they're just not good enough right now. So is this on... I mean, I, I don't know if assigning blame is the right way to go here, but like, is this on more of Elton Brand and the moves he made, or is it on Brett Brown and not finding the ways to get whatever balance they need? I mean, in terms of like, if I'm going to go on Brett Brown, where I would get really frustrated by is the inconsistent effort. Like, that's what I would put mostly on the coach, not scheme, not X's and O's, not getting most of their offensive talent, because I think this is a very flawed offensive team. Like, you don't, you just don't have one three level scorer on the roster. And in 2019, when you're building around a post-up player and Embiid to not have one person who can really hit a step-back three-pointer is just like that's not a good enough offensive roster. So I put most of the roster and, and skill set problems on Elton Brand and his group, and I put a lot of the inconsistent effort problems, which defensively, it's not it's not personnel, it's effort. I put that on Brett. So I think it's it's a combination of both. I guess if I was going to boil it down offensively, you know, front office's problems defensively, I think it's mostly the coaching staff. Uh, so do they fix this thing this season? I don't think they do. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a trade out there that they can fix. What else am I think? I think we could see major changes in the summer if, if things don't turn around. And this is a team that played like complete mediocre basketball in the, the final month or two leading up to the season last year, then took the eventual champions down to a, you know, a, a 
quadruple doink on the rim, they could turn it around. Like they certainly have a the capability of being a matchup problem in the playoffs. But if it continues to trend in the right direction, I think it's probably a summer where you see the biggest changes. See, I'm still holding on to that that drug of last year. Oh, man, that, that drug was so good of, was. Of what they did in the playoffs last year, specifically Embiid. He was so incredible in the playoffs when he was locked in on defense and he was obviously one of a dominant player offensively. That's what I'm still holding on to. Plus I picked the preseason to go to the finals. Right, we all is. know yeah, that's what's most yeah, important here, guys. My own vanity. Um, Come on. Well, that 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 I want, uh, Dave. I wonder, like, if you think that maybe this team is just built for the playoffs and not the regular season. Well, I think you know this is sort of where we arrived on Nerder when we've discussed the, the Sixers um, that we expect when things tighten up and that defense actually gets to to shine and rise to the occasion, we'll, we'll see the real version of this team. Um, the issue is that it's a really clunky fit, you know, uh, Horford and Simmons and Embiid all kind of like to operate in the same space. Horford does space out some, but not probably not enough. And, and then, you know, where's the attacking lead ball handler in the half court is Brett Brown being creative enough with Ben Simmons, giving his limitations. There's the question of, Brett Brown not being able to get one of his players to do what he's asking him to do with Ben Simmons, not even attempting threes. So there are, I have more questions now than I had at the start of the season, you know, now that we've had time to see this develop. But the weirdest thing about this team is that for the most part, they have played well against good teams and horribly against bad teams. Derek, do you have any kind of answer for that? Like, do you know why? Nope. No idea. But, I mean, this is, this is a, a team that is unbeatable at home, even against really good competition. And they go on the road, and I have no faith they'll beat Atlanta. I have no faith they'll beat Orlando, much less these good teams like Miami that they lost to last night and Milwaukee that they'll probably lose to in the in the coming days here. I have no faith that they'll beat any of those teams. So this is really a, a – I have no idea how to cover this team because they perplex me on a daily basis. Well, that's the thing. So two things. One – what a mind bleep that would be if they just destroyed Milwaukee in Milwaukee oh. Thursday night, right? Just like for, all for this the hammering. Second time. The, yeah, I mean, the they, beat, they beat Boston in Boston not too long ago, so I guess it's possible. Right. So, like, what a, what a great mind bleep that would be after this conversation. And two, what I love about Derek is he's just like, yeah, I don't know. There's no, like, <laughs> pretending to posture or anything. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. This team's weird. This team is very confusing. Yeah, I, we're, we're paid to know. We're quite literally paid to know. I have no idea. I have no idea what this team on a night-to-night basis it's fun. It um, keeps us uh, it keeps us on our toes. Well, you could read all of the uh, all the coverage, all the lack the of knowledge, yeah. all the lack of knowledge on the on the athletic. Derek Bonner, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, my pleasure. Um, all right, one more topic, guys. The disrespect for Carl Anthony Towns right now is palpable. I mean, he didn't get picked to be an All Star reserve. <laughs> He's used to being disrespected, guys. So it's nothing new to him. But can you imagine when you work hard to not win a game in your last 16 and your team's getting shredded defensively and you haven't won since November to not get picked for the all-star game and the team's worse defensively when you're out there demonstrably worse. Yes. But (laughs) I mean, just so disrespect. I mean, and, and look, he told us don't sleep on us. He told us that back in October. Right. And we slept on him. Right. We did. We slept on the Wolves. We didn't know they could be this hilariously bad. We slept on that. But Carl Anthony Towns, 
is disrespected. I'm going Guys, Rip I- Van Winkle on the Timberwolves. <laughs> I'm out. It's over. You're out. Listen, <laughs> when when you, you know, in? <laughs> I was never in. I, it might be time. Listen, is it time to to contract some of these teams? I I just these no, 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 no. these relegation relegation. I think we call up a deal. No, a send, them team. To, send them the turkey. And, and, <laughs> send I, them I mean, the turkey or, or send them to Moscow. They don't I even mean, deserve to be guy, in Bar- Barcelona. Is there a guy in the league <laughs> with with more talent that does less with it? I just don't know if there is. Because that's the thing. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's just talent. Like, he's unreal. He's historic in the way he can play on offense. And it just none of it matters. And, you know. And it's and not all his fault. That team's garbage. That's a garbage roster, right? It's a bad team yeah. for sure. But Amin brings up a great point in that, you know, Towns has been rewarded at every turn for his behavior. 100%. Right? Yeah. Like, they right. got rid of the coach They're- that he didn't like. They, you know, they got in a new GM. They got rid of Jimmy Butler. They did all... Like, he's been rewarded at every turn for his behavior. So, what's his incentive to change anything? There is none. It was. They're bending over backwards to trade for his friend. Right? Like, they're trying to bring in D'Angelo Russell. Like, they're bending <laughs> right. over backwards. I was talking to, to somebody on the Clippers yesterday about D'Angelo Russell, and I'm just like, I, I just don't see it. I don't don't, like I get the appeal. Yes, he's a good operator and pick and roll. And that team needs somebody, anybody who could do anything in pick and roll. Like they like there's actually a need for him. The Wolves. But yeah. Oh, my God. He would be the best point guard since (laughs) Sam Cassell. Like easily. I mean, Shabazz Napier. God bless him. Um, You know, UConn Big East product. But who? Lord, that's your pick and roll operator. I don't understand why you need had to some... say the Big East there. That just it didn't oh, fit at all. What you mean the Big East? What you mean? <laughs> what you mean? You never seen the Big East tournament at Madison uh, Square Garden, boy? At, the, at Madison Square Garden? No, I have not. Yeah, get get you get you a no, pizza up the block I'm, from Ray's. Just making up stuff now. Was like, is there even a Ray's, or is this like you just throwing stuff out there? Like, what are we what are we doing here? But more importantly, was. Do y'all, not, y'all not making no, no, no. the New York Northeast Biggie tournament not, connection. I'm not, I'm not. Y'all really not doing this? No, I don't. I don't. we are. Go watch Syracuse basketball. I don't care. I don't care about the Biggies. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get your two three zone. I <laughs> hear. Fucking actual basketball. Man. You better put some respect on Luke Carnesecca's name, Ooh. man. <laughs> oh, Luke Carnesecca. Oh no, I know Luke Carnesecca. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm back in. He said who? (laughs) (laughs) But Waz, more importantly, man, don't rob us of the D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns pairing, of the comedy and joy we're going to get. This trade has to happen to kick up ratings. Like this will improve everything. Let's get the big three in there. Let's get Devin Booker. That will yes, be the most hilarious yes. big three of all. They, they'll get they're like so much talent, right? So much talent. But they would get shredded every single night yeah. and not know why they're losing. 200 to 140. Every yeah, single yeah. Game. It would be amazing. That would improve <laughs> ratings. Let's go. All three of them would wonder why they're not chosen for the All-Star game. It still wouldn't sell tickets in Minneapolis, though. They don't want to watch that team. <laughs> no, not at all. I so I was organizing the power rankings the rest of the, the rest of the season and uh, I was doing this yesterday and so as part of that is I I map out each week of when teams play so I know like when what day to write the, 
the blurb about the teams, right? Like some teams I can write on Friday, some teams I can write on Saturday, some teams I can write on Sunday. So I'm mapping all this out. And as I'm going through each day of the rest of the regular season, I'm looking at these Wolves games that pop up. I'm like, now they're going to lose that one. Now they're going to lose that one. And so I tweeted as like sort of a joke and uh, saying like, I don't see a win on their schedule the rest of the year. Um, but then, you know, as they're down 20 to the Kings last night, I was like, oh, you know what? I don't see a win the rest of the season. <laughs> Would it shock you if they lost 20 in a row? They're 12 right now. No, would it shock me? Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't bad. shock me at all. They're bad, dude. Like, they have at least four rotational players. And I was saying this on Saturday when we were at the game that, like, these are not NBA players. Like, the little light-skinned homie from USC, I forget his name. Like, Jordan McLaughlin, getting... be careful. Watch. Yes. Don't talk about SC. Be careful. Okay. <laughs> You're going to go all nuts about the Big East. Does SC have a basketball team? <laughs> Exactly. We do. We do. We got a couple oh. prospects. Don't be mad at us. Way better than the Big East. Just wanted to say, shout East out still exists. Wow. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't <laughs> watch college basketball. I don't even care. Wow. Just, just put some respect on Marcus Hatton's name, man. Marcus Manhattan. You don't remember that? Who? <laughs> you <a> Watchman. <laughs> Pretty sure he is. Is, 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 is he blue? Was I, I would pay. I would. Well, actually, no. If he was blue, I think I'd probably remember though. Zach. Oh man. Um, no, this. So this was their. We we can end on this. Some this is their rotation. Nardi's name, man. This is their rotation last night. If I can get this uh, this box score to load, there we go. So rotation was obviously Carl Anthony Towns started, Andrew Wiggins started, Robert Covington started, um, and then you have Shabazz Napier, Big East finest, right? Was, uh, and you have uh, and you have Jarrett Culver, the rookie, um. After that, Jordan Bell got nine minutes. Uh, who is this guy? Uh, oh, right. Keelan Martin. Not Caleb Martin, but yeah. Keelan Martin. Uh, Kata Bates Jop, Gorgie Jang, McLaughlin, Josh Akogi. There's, I mean, there's like two and a half players in there. Listen, we just got a free Andrew Akogi, Wiggins. Akogi could be useful on a real team. Yeah, no, like, Akogi's like a legitimately he's good a defender. legitimate yeah. NBA cat. And he's a guy um, that like wants to go guard James Harden, right? Like he's like, like he has he has that in him defensively. He can't hit a shot to save his life. But he at least McLaughlin like McLaughlin had five assists on Saturday, and it's because the Clippers didn't realize that he had absolutely no interest in looking at the hoop when he drove to the basket. <laughs> Like he was, he was just like ah, hot potato. As soon as he got within three feet of the rim, because it's like he's five foot nine, no hops. How is he supposed to score down there with the trees? And he's their backup point guard. Woo! I mean, Whoa. they have a process roster, and they're not even going through the process. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, so look, Rosas was not going to clean all this up in one summer. Um. I still think the greatest accomplishment they've ever had in free agency was almost getting D'Angelo Russell to sign with them. Because prior to that, it was Jeff Teague. That was their greatest win in free agency in, in franchise history. But, um, but yeah, like I, if like that, so it kind of gets back to the Knicks conversation from earlier when I asked Ethan if Masai takes over, can they overcome the owner? Right? Like, is Masai able to overcome the owner? Um, it's sort of a similar thing with the Wolves, right? Like Rosas is was a top candidate to take over front office. He's been given all of the power that he wants in terms of like, yep, go get your guys, right? He like completely revamped that whole thing. But you still have Glenn Taylor as the owner. And that's been the consistency over the last, you know, 25 years. I think he bought the team in 94. Um, 
that's been the consistency is that Glenn Taylor just doesn't have organizational leadership in that way. And so the wolves are always terrible in that way. And so can Rosas like Dave can Rosas actually fix this thing if he's given three, four years to do it. I mean, well, the number one move is, you know, Wiggins, right? Uh, not to knock Andrew Wiggins. Cause I know everyone does it all the time, but that's the number one move. He has to, he has to get that, that contract moved because it's an albatross. And then, I think you've got to figure out what Carl Anthony Towns is. Is he a good stats on an awful team type of guy? Like, is he an awful culture guy? I, I don't know uh, because we've never seen him on a team that's any good. Jimmy we saw Butler, one. We saw one. The one year, right, with yeah. Jimmy Butler, but that was Jimmy Butler's team. Carl Anthony Towns, you know, they, they probably could have put anybody in that role. And they, and they would have been okay because Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy would have dragged him to the playoffs. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that's what you want Carl Anthony Towns to be. And he's not that. And so I think you got to figure it out. And, and to start, it's it's trying to move Wiggins. And I actually think he can move Wiggins. I think you can convince some team that Wiggins could be useful. I, I personally think Charlotte should be interested in Andrew Wiggins. They could use a high-volume scoring guy like that. He's actually then, been pretty good as yeah. a lead guard, right? Like not like thirty million a year good, but he's been pretty good as a lead guard, right? Well, he was he was great in that game in in particular against the Kings that they blew the huge lead. He was yeah. fantastic. In he, that was, game. he was, <laughs> but it's just you know like you've got to have other people have good games at the same time. So I think moving Wiggins is probably the priority. But I think he's going to have a better market than people realize this summer. You just summed up 30 years of Timberwolves basketball there of you have to have other guys have a good game at the same time. That's legitimately the last 30 years of Minnesota Timberwolves basketball, and that's where we're going to end it. Thanks to Derek Bodner, Ethan Strauss, Wazzy Lambray, Dave McFore, Mozart Heel. Anybody out? I think we got everybody. That's everybody. Uh, for Rob Rob Lopez, for uh, old Jade Hoy, I'm Zach Harper. Thanks for subscribing to The Athletic. If you don't, do that. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. If you don't, do that. Thanks for leaving a review of the podcast. If you haven't done that, do that. Do that.